This is Keach Rainwater with the Designated Drummer Podcast. Hope everybody's having a great day. It's a great spring day here in Nashville. I'm sitting here at the Band Cave with a good friend of mine. Actually, I just met you uh, recently, um, Isaac Velasquez. That's right. Yeah. Good to see you, man. Good to see you too, man. And he is from the great country of Venezuela. And I met you at uh, the Zildjian. Zildjian, this symbol company, just had a thing here in Nashville where they got all the Zildjian artists together and were was sh- showing some of their products and things like that. It was a great night of like music and uh, conversation with uh, a lot of friends of mine that I've had on the podcast before. And I just met you there, uh, Isaac, and uh, you had said... We kind of met early on because we were there kind of early in the day uh, before the festivities started. And we were just kind of looking at stuff, talking. And you said you were from Venezuela. And I thought that was so cool. That's right. Yes. Born and raised. Born and raised in Venezuela. Um, So and and then later on, you were telling me that you moved to Miami and you were part of that music scene there for a while and then eventually ended up in Nashville. That's right. Yes. I lived in Miami for 15 years. 15 years. And you were part of the music scene down there doing sessions and all that kind of stuff. Yes, I mean, it was a fun time, definitely. It's a whole different scene um, from Nashville, but it's really fun. I miss it sometimes. Yeah, man. Uh, So I'm just going to go back to, uh, I'm going to start out a little bit about Venezuela because I have never been to Venezuela and I'm fascinated with I've watched documentaries and some things about that it's uh the country is it's kind of uh it's it's how could I say it best it's uh it's kind of it's not easy to come in and out of right it's it's a little bit politically yes right now it's even for me maybe it's easier for you to go down there than it is for me because you wouldn't be able to come back, right? Is that right? Yes, because I haven't been able to renew my documents. And if I go down there to do it, I might be stuck for a you long might be time. Stuck for, yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so so Venezuela, uh, you grew up there. Your dad actually was a, was a professional drummer in Venezuela. Can you tell me a little bit about growing up and how you learned what you learned? And- for sure, yes. I mean, funny enough, in the 70s and 80s in Venezuela, or Caracas, the capital, it was like living in Los Angeles. Like he had sessions every single day wow. for artists, for jingles. Like he used to actually play the electronic drums. Wow. And it was like a nine-to-five job he had every single day. Man. And actually, my whole family are musicians. So my dad's a drummer. His cousins are a bass player, sax player. No, I'm sorry, trombone player. And gr- my grandpa was a great jazz trumpeteer. Wow. And his brother, a uh, sax player, and they eventually they did a, a jazz record. In Caracas there? Yeah. Yeah, so that was uh, the capital of Venezuela, and it was like Los Angeles at the time? Yes, I mean, the amount of work they had was wow. insane. Yeah, live, playing live, and of course, you, I guess you did it all, right? I mean, your dad did it all, like live, session work, yeah, he commercials. Was, for sure, he was in every single, I mean, in every major recording. Wow. And that would have been very Latin percussive kind of music right is it trumpets and yes and no because the influence from the u.s was there since i can't oh, remember so it was wow. a lot of pop music rock uh, or big band it, it was fun and what what uh, forgive me for being ignorant about this but what language do they speak in venezuela is that their own like spanish. venezuelan spanish. oh they speak spanish okay okay That's, i just never knew that i've never been <laughs> and i can almost imagine them having their own I sort mean, of dialect or something i mean we definitely have our slangs like the way yeah. i speak if i speak to someone from south america he might be offended or he might not get it because words have different meanings down there oh i see okay i yeah. understand yeah 
Wow. I learned that the hard way when I moved to Miami. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you uh, were telling me earlier that you moved from uh, from Venezuela to Miami and you were 17 years old. Now, what, what year would that have been? Uh, 03. 03. In 03, you moved to Miami and started. Uh, were you already a professional drummer by 17 then or were you still kind of learning the ropes? I was learning the ropes. I knew a lot theoretically, but my, my dad wouldn't let me play. Yeah, he wouldn't let you play. He wanted me to to do something else. He wanted me to be a doctor or <laughs> oh, I don't know. And I told him one day, look, man, if I'm gonna be successful or unsuccessful at anything, at least let me be happy. Yeah, right. I want to play drums, so yeah. let me try that. And if it doesn't work, then we'll see what I can do. Wow. And so you had been watching your dad all this. Did he ever take you to sessions with him? And did you oh, help man, him? Oh, man, all the time. Really? I mean, my most precious memories are from sessions, from shows. I mean, it was interesting. That I remember when I really understood what was happening in the studio. And I could look at him. Okay, he did a pass of this tune. Sounded great. Now they want a second pass. And now he's changing things a little bit. He's changing feels. And everything sounded great. Like any of those, you know, passes yeah. could have worked. And that was impressive to me. Like, wow, so how can he do that? Because yeah. it's easier to copy what the other drummer played. Right. How can okay. you come up with the parts? And that was really interesting for me. So he could understand it in his head and know what he's going to play. And even even when he changes to a second pass or a third or whatever, he's thinking in his mind, how can I make this better? What Like as he's playing and he's probably thinking like, I should have played that lick or maybe next time I'll play another lick. And yep. he just gets it. He is improving on it every time, right? Yeah, it was impressive. Wow. And that, I mean, that taught me a lot. And I mean, sometimes he would take me with him and he would do a whole album in one day. And... I was crazy to to wait. And would he read? It was there was, you know, music like yeah, sheet he, music, right? He will do the charts on the spot, and then, okay, let's go track this one. Okay, next one, next one, next one. Yeah. Oh, oh my God! Okay, that's how professionals work. That's like a savant. That's like you know what I mean when I say savant, like a somebody is like a like a um, I don't know, like a genius or something, like on genius level, right? To be able to do that. I mean, he he showed me the the charts he used to read when he recorded with the orchestra, like. Six pages, you know. Wow. Oh my God, it's so intimidating. And he read it like he's reading the morning paper, right? Yeah. I mean, just yeah. Yeah, very. I really envy guy. people like that. They can, <laughs> we call it. Uh, well, I would I would say the the s h i t word, but uh, fly crap. We'll say right <laughs> uh, on paper. They call it fly fly crap because it looks um, like flies just you know crapped on it, and there's little dots everywhere, you know. And right. That, yeah, you know, yeah. Heard it referred to as that. But um, so. Um, did you, when you were growing up in Venezuela, did did you have your own kit? I know you said your dad sort of didn't want you to do it, but did you play anyway? Yeah, actually, my grandpa pushed for me to get a drum set. Yeah. So I, 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 I get mine, and I practice a lot until I, you know, eventually broke it. It was a kid's drum set. Okay. And then my dad was like, okay, take one of mine and do your thing. He saw that you had some talent. Yeah. And he let me be in bands, but when I got called for pro gigs, like his friends would be like, "Hey, why don't you send Isaac for this?" Hey, no, he's not yet. <laughs> wow. It, it was. That's, you, oh man, it so was so he frustrating. was frustrating. <laughs> so in a way, he was kind of trying to say, "Well, he's not ready yet," or something. Or like, uh, did he want you to? Did, was he just saying like, well, "Don't play gigs at all," or was he saying you're just not ready yet? No, I, I think. I was kind of ready, and obviously that experience could have helped a lot. But I was very lazy at school. 
Oh, okay. And I, I, I lost one year. I was held back because I wouldn't be in class. I was hanging out with my friends and playing, mm -hmm. and I had to be held back. And he was like, okay, now this is your punishment, which sucked yeah. big time. That was your punishment, what, to, to not take the drums to, away? Yeah, like, I mean, you can still play, but not professionally. Oh, I see. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, it's funny. It's kind of crazy. He, he, he toured with this guy for 20 years, Franco Levita, big, big artist in Latin America. And he couldn't do a few shows and they wanted me to suffer him. And he was like, no, no, uh, not going to happen. Gotcha. No. Wow. It was driving me crazy. I, I think that there is something to me. I've noticed that certain aspects of growing up and learning something if you're if you hold you back it's like holding back a racehorse if you hold somebody back long enough when you finally do set them free they're gonna they're gonna bolt out and a good example is tommy aldrich the drummer do you know who he is plays well, double yeah. bass and played with white snake and for sure and pat travers and all that for years his story he was saying that when he grew up he um wanted to play drums really bad but he was he had a stepdad that did not want him to play he didn't want to hear the drums mm. so he had a shed out back that he would put the drums on in and he would put pillows in the drums and he would just do everything he could to try and quiet him so he could practice. Can you imagine being held back like that? And then all of a sudden now you're 18 and you can do whatever you want to. The, right. the freedom you would have to, I could practice, uh, you know, buy a house or renting an apartment where, or whatever, or like a practice room and you can just let loose. Right. Can you imagine? You'd want to practice all the time. And so that's what he did. That's, is he yeah, got that's so crazy. good. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. And so with, in your similar story is that you were sort of being held back a little bit by your dad and then finally set free at some point. So you must have just been. Yeah, that move really helped. Yeah, right. And psychologically, just like you been able to oh i'm 18 i can do whatever i want 17 and going to miami i was like i can now i can kind of spread my wings and play and right. do whatever i want yeah i mean funny enough later in um, i mean a few years later he, i was solving for him all the time sometimes he would stop for me so it, it was fun oh that's cool yeah. that's cool so um what i'm curious you're you're in venezuela your dad you and your dad your family um and in 2003 you decided to move to miami right Right. Um, sorry to interrupt. I, I did study some music back in Venezuela. Ah, okay. I studied some classical percussion, you know, timpani. Yeah, right. And snare drum, and I mean, I, it was fun. I, I miss those days. In high school, uh, this would yeah. have been in high school. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he took me to a conservatory, and yeah, he kicked my butt. But <laughs> it was fun. That's good. Yeah. So, what was the impetus in for the move to to Miami? Did were you trying to get out of Venezuela, or was there just an opportunity that your dad had there, or that you had there? Well, the thing is, politically, it was starting to to get weird there. Okay. So the guy who pretty much did what everything that happened, um, Chavez, he he was in power, and then a, a lot of like weird things started to happen. And my my older brother was here at the time, and he said, "Hey guys, on you." Move here and we'll figure it out. Yeah. So. And for I mean, for my dad it was pretty easy because he he had a bunch of friends in Miami already. Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't that difficult. Yeah. You know to readjust. I see. So just a better living situation, a better country to live in, just that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And so, how did you feel about that when you were seventeen? And were you I excited was, about it? I did was you? super excited. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't know if you were like, man, I got to leave my friends and. I mean, yeah, it was sad, but <laughs> I mean, in my head, 
I wanted to get to Miami and somehow move to LA when I had a chance. I see. Yeah, that was the kind of goal. That was what you were right. thinking that, in your mind. That's what I wanted. Well, to you, do. you were still in high school. You said you were held back a year, so you were you were still in high school at this time. So you went to high school, senior year or whatever in Miami. Is that right? When I, well, no. They they tell me, man, you're too old, so you're gonna have to do the GED, which I didn't understand because I was yeah, 17 GED, at the yeah. time, and everyone goes to high school until they're 18 years old, yeah, and right. I had one year left, so I was weird, but it worked out for the best because I got my GED in six months. Yeah, so it was even faster than going to high school. That's awesome. And yeah. now now you got your GED. And you're done with all that, and now you can just start focusing on drums. Right. That's exactly what I did when I was turned 18. I knew I wasn't going to go to college. I didn't want to get a job anywhere. My number one focus was, okay, what band? I'm going to go on auditions, right. and I'm going to get with the working band, and I'm just going to start working. I did some college down there. I yeah. went to Miami Day College, you know, the jazz combos. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, wow. it was fun. Yeah. Did the... Um, I guess you felt right at home because in Miami, it's a lot of that whole Cuban kind of influence and a lot of Latin music there already. That For you sure. just probably fit right in, right? right? I mean, again, funny enough, even though I'm from Venezuela, Latin music was never my thing. Really? And huh. I guess that's why I'm here in Nashville right now. Wow. Because I, I grew up listening to, I mean, I had a tape. In one side, I had Toto. The oh. other side, Chicago. Okay, yeah. Then the Beatles. Then Tower of Power. So wow. Latin music was never in my life. Wow. So that's what you studied on. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I listened to those Besides tapes. the symphon- symphonic stuff. And right. That. Yeah. yeah, I listened to Jeff Porcaro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so many times. Amazing. Wow. I never would have thought that that influence had reached, that gone that far south down there. Yes, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Wow. Because all the major artists, they, they were pop guys. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't see... Uh, I mean, there is like salsa bands or artists that are pretty famous, but like the big ones are pop. Yeah. Would American pop acts uh, tour down in Venezuela? Did they all would they the come time. to concerts? Yes, all of them. Wow, because I have never, I don't think I've ever heard of any artist or musician or anything talking about, yeah, we're going to go do this tour down in Venezuela. Right. I just never heard of that. Maybe they, they didn't say it. They right. didn't I mean, mention it. In right. recent years, it will be impossible. But in the 90s right. and 2000s, even in the 80s, I yeah. was scrolling down on my phone and I saw a video of Queen playing Venezuela. And I, wow. I didn't know they were there. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Wow. Um, did you get to see a lot of uh, bands, touring bands when you were in Venezuela that inspire you a lot? Uh, yes, I saw, what's the saxophone player's name? Kenny G? No. Uh, uh, I can't think. David uh, Sanborn. Okay, David Sanborn, yeah, right. And who else? I think Clapton. Because the uh, thing is, my dad w- would open for this guy. So of course, yeah, then you got to it go to a free easy, concert. Yeah. Did you, were you sort of like your dad's drum tech or something like that? Did you sort of? Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. Set his drums up. Set up his him. drums, yeah. Yeah. I had it down to yeah, the last <laughs> detail, yeah. Training. So you had, either way, you were either going to be a drummer or a drum tech. I yeah. mean, your, your training that you had. Yeah. Would, um, when you were growing up, did your dad teach you rudiments and things like that? Or did you just watch him and learn? No, he did taught me a few things, and like really important things. Like rudiments, for sure. We would practice reading. And he would tell me when he saw something, he'd like, yeah, I'll do this, try it this way. Okay. That's wow. good enough. That's good. 
And he tried to to get me like drum teachers. But, yeah. And I will say the most ridiculous things to them. I, I remember a guy trying to teach me how to play swing. And I was like, no, man. Play, did you say play swing? Yeah. No. Okay. And I was like, I don't think that's how you do it. Why not? Because my dad wouldn't play it like that. And I was like this 13-year-old brat. And uh, okay, man. Sure. <laughs> oh, here we go. Your dad again. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure your drum teacher knew who your dad was. And yeah, all that stuff. so he couldn't say anything. <laughs> wow. Golly. Um, so Miami in 2003. And what was the music scene, I guess, like down there in 2003? I can't even... It was very similar to Nashville. A yeah. lot of um, showcases, yeah. you know, original music. A lot of you know cover band gigs, and it was great. Yeah, like all the time I would play with different artists, and I would play church a lot too down there. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, actually, that's how I met a really good friend, bass player, and that's how I landed my first major gig. Really, at church. So he that's liked cool. the way I played, and he recommended me for this gig, and now I'm playing with this singer from Colombia that was nominated for the Grammys. Wow, that is awesome. And we're traveling all over the country. And that was this, this pretty much right when you, you said you'd done some college there in yeah, Miami. Yeah, I was there only one when that happened. Yeah. So just in just a few years, you had a gig and you were touring and all that yeah. stuff. I bet your dad, was your dad proud or, or did was he like, oh, God. No, I was proud. I, I think when I landed that gig, he was like, okay, okay. Okay, I guess you're good enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to be like me now, I guess. <laughs> well, I think he taught you well. I think, I think he... In the back of his mind, he probably was thinking, like, he's going to be a good drummer. He really is. Maybe he, if he didn't want that for you, he wanted you to make something, more money or something like that. Yeah, I guess he didn't want me to go through the pain because it's it's not easy. Yeah, right. It can be a lot of fun, and it can be very nerve-wracking, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess he didn't want that for me. But, hey, it's yeah. my life. It's my choice. What was one of the things that you noticed right away when you came from Venezuela, Venezuela to to the United States, what was one of the things musically or or even just like the way of life that you noticed that was really different? Well, I mean, funny thing about Miami is it's, we we have a joke that we say that's the closest city to the U.S. because you can see people from everywhere, a lot of Venezuelans, yeah. Colombians, Peruvians, Brazilians, so. Yeah. But it's, I mean, well, the first thing is, oh, okay, people are actually stopping on traffic lights. <laughs> oh, when okay. it's red, they're actually stopping. <laughs> <laughs> so they don't do that in Venezuela no. much. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. And, and yeah, they, they have a thing here they call the California stop where it, they roll through it. They, they sort of stop, but they don't really stop. They just kind of slow down. And if nobody's coming, they'll just roll right through it. That, that, right. I think they used to call that the California stop. But um, anyway, yeah, so that's one thing you noticed uh, – pretty much right away was 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 that was um i mean i used to live up in a mountain like 30 minutes from caracas and then i'm leaving 10 minutes from the beach down there so yeah that's a big change wow that is wow um so big adjustment i would think you know living in the states and did you guys have a place to live like when you first came or did you stay with your friend or i would stay with my older brother uh, for a few months and then we moved out to, you know, apartment thing. Did your dad adapt really well to, to the change? Was he playing and getting he, gigs? He was playing real quick. Like we were both taking English lessons together, and okay, then he yeah. couldn't keep taking the lessons because he was gigging all the time. Yeah. 
So you didn't speak English at all at all when you? No, I remember wow. first day in Miami. I'm trying to get a burger, and they're asking me how I wanted how how I wanted it cooked. I'm like, what? What's going on here? And I'm looking around. Is someone gonna help me? And I said, okay, ugh, I need to learn how to speak English. <laughs> yeah. And right. I, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, that was painful. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. But you speak good English now. I mean, how, it's since 2003. It's been a while. That's me. 20 years. <laughs> yeah, a long time. Yeah. Um, so you're in Miami touring with this guy, uh, doing some sessions probably too. Yeah. You know? Uh, was it mostly Latin stuff or pop stuff or just everything? Um, mostly pop. Yeah? Yeah. One thing I, I did recently that I thought was really cool, I was curious one day uh, about, for some reason, I wanted to see what, um, what, uh, what am I trying to say? Um, I wanted to see what uh, South American, not South American, what am I trying to say? Hold on. I was actually wanting to see what Latin pop sounded like. And I said something like, Alexa, play some Latin pop. And uh, I noticed that the rhythm, the drums, it was kind of a formula. It all did the same thing. It started out with some little keyboard thing. And then as soon as the drums came in, it was like, doom, get doom, get doom, get doom. Even the ballads, even the slow song were like, doom, get doom, get cut to and it had that right. same thing and uh i kind of learned quickly so I, I wondered did you were you sort of aware of that is that kind of in venezuelan pop no as well, well actually that thing is called reggaeton it's called what reggaeton reggaeton yeah like reggae but reggaeton reggae. Oh, okay reggaeton so yeah that's that's something that has changed the whole thing it, yeah it, it didn't it wasn't like like this before yeah i i, I guess it's pop but it's it's reggaeton, and yeah. that's what everybody's doing right now. Yeah. If you go back in the 90s, 80s, and you listen to those records, it sounds a lot like the music they will make here. Yeah. Because those guys were influenced by the same session guys that yeah. will play here. Like, if you listen to those records, they're they're trying to sound like the total session guys. Right, yeah. And then wow. reggaeton came and it, ch- it changed it the changed whole everything. thing. It changed everything. It's yeah. kind of a, is it a dance? Is it sort of a dance thing or is it just, it's just a thing that they liked? It's and, it's both. It's the beat and the lyrics. Yeah. And it it's can, almost like country music here in Nashville had a change in the late 2000s, in 2010, 11, 12, right around there. And it's still the same. Is that beat, that boom, Right. Every song it seemed like had that beat in it somewhere, or it same was like, that was everybody's same yeah. sound. Yeah, yeah, same that samples. kind of John Bonham almost thing. That sort of that that uh, syncopated kick thing, and it seems like you hear it in drum machines and you hear loops and things like that a lot. And uh, even like when the drums come in full, it's like got that beat to it. Right. And it, it, it seems to me like maybe that might have happened in the uh, reggaeton thing. Uh, maybe. Maybe that was they heard that had that beat sort of just took over and everybody liked it. To I mean, it, it became really popular, and then even the pop artists started doing that yeah. too. Right. So, yeah. yeah, and then if you listen to Colombian music, it's a, it's the same thing, but a lot faster. Yeah. yeah, right. Wow, that's cool. Um, so you're in Miami now, uh, you're in Miami for. You were there for what, fifteen years or 15 something like years. that before you made the move to Nashville. Now you had said earlier you thinking about moving to LA. Did you 
still want to move to LA, or did you sort of change? What made what brought Nashville to your your mind? Well, um, I was playing with a guy, a country singer down there, and he would talk to me about Nashville all the time. So yeah, I'm playing here in Miami or South Florida because we actually moved in different cities. And then on the summer, for the summer, he will come to Nashville and, and work here. And he got me really curious. And then I told my wife, okay, we need to go to Nashville, visit. And then when I got here, oh my God, this is, okay, this is the place. This is the, yeah, of course, yeah. Because there's so much going on here. There's always something going on. There's a, there's a session or there's a live thing or there's a video going shoot or something. That's what I think. I come from Dallas, mm. Texas. And there were things going on there, but not like here, you know. And I noticed that when I moved to Nashville, I always noticed there's always something going on. Right. Always something. There's live gigs. There's concerts. There's there's music videos being shot here all the time. Right. Um, and what I like here, everything is so close. Fifteen yeah. minutes away from everywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember thinking that when I, when you could be in is downtown as you can be which is right in the middle of broadway right and be out in the country like literally with cows and fields and barns and things like that within 20 you know, 15 20 minutes right which is pretty insane when you think about that's, it that's crazy i know <laughs> it's crazy but uh um yeah we've i've been here for uh almost 30 years now oh wow. yeah and next year will be 40 years that i've that i've been here yeah no, I'm sorry. It'd be 30, 30 years. 30 years I've been here because I moved in 94. Okay. And I've always noticed that about it. You know, it's, there's always something going on. There's always – now, Broadway was totally different down there. The Broadway scene where people are – there's a band and every single next door to each other all the way up and down. There used to be maybe five or six bands playing at the same time. Now it's like every single place there's a band playing. Right. At now we put the drummer there. out in the window. <laughs> like <we're, laughs> The storefront. It's like looking at the back of the drummer. Yeah, if you keep walking down, you'll hear um, – Sweet Home Alabama yeah. five times in a row. <laughs> right, exactly, right, yeah. Or you'll hear um, Journey, or you'll hear uh, um, Friends in Low Places or something. Right. Like that. Yeah, right. So when you came to Nashville. Free bird. Uh, yeah, right, free bird. <laughs> um, when you came to Nashville, you um, did you move here with your dad, or did your dad stay in Miami, or did you just, you and your wife? Just oh, no, me and my wife, um, yeah, we made the jump. Yeah. And I didn't know anyone here. Really? I only had a phone number a friend gave me, and that guy, Trevor, Canadian singer, great guy and great player, he gave me my first gig, and then I talked to someone else that day, and then I was playing five times a week. Wow, that's great. Within yeah, a month. It was, wow. It was, yeah, it was great. Wow. You, you still like living in Nashville? I do. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's great. That's cool. Um so you're playing now with um you were telling me earlier who are you playing with now so um, your main gig my i mean i don't think there's a main i'm working with a bunch of people different things so i do some of the broadway stuff i also do sessions and i also work with a friend jerry navarro yeah that's right. he's putting together this label thing and studio so we're we're doing a lot of things like tracking yeah what um what's different do you find about Nashville sessions as opposed to say Miami or 
Venezuela? Is there a, is there a main difference? Well, the besides charts. the number chart. <laughs> right. hey, what is this? What should I play? <laughs> what is, I know. I did. Man, I'm telling you, I did the same thing when I moved here. I didn't know the number chart, and they stuck this thing in front of me, and I'm like, whoa, where am I? And where's the where's the chorus? Or where's the what is the number? <laughs> and they explained it to me. So it took me a while to learn it. Right. Yeah. It's. It, I mean, now that I know how to read yeah. it, it's pretty useful. Yeah. Are you doing country sessions now too? Yes, it's it, yeah, yeah. I guess that's the main thing here in Nashville. But I mean, I don't know. I I, I kind of think of you as a. I've, I haven't ever seen you play before, but I just met you at the Zildjian thing, and you you strike me as like a Latin player, like you would play Latin music or something like that. But I, I guess you just play everything, yeah, right? I try. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not easy keeping up like every genre. Yeah. Like at a high level, but I try. I mean, I've been playing here for four years a lot of country and pop and rock and then i met this guy uh, rafael um, vasquez he's from mexico and now we're playing a lot of latin music which i hadn't done in four years wow. so that's 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 fun i miss that wow so describe your kit that you um we're just going to get technical here describe sure. your kit that you play is it kind of got the latin influence or some percussion things on it or is it just like the normal the normal, you know, yep. 10, 12, 14, <laughs> 16, 22 kick, or 20 sometimes, depending. Really? That's cool. I like, you know, switching between a few snares, maybe high-pitched, piccolo-ish sounding yeah. snare, and the really low one, you know. Off to the side. Do you do right. that? Do you put it off to the side? Yeah. I do the opposite. I do the, the big fat snare. Well, it's not like deep or anything but it's just a normal snare in front of me and then i'll do the side snare a little popcorn snare on the side just because right. sometimes music has like a little loop in the beginning and when you play live you have to kind of emulate that a little bit so right. that's my little side snare we'll do that and actually it's it it I, it's one that i made myself it's a it's a 12 inch tom with a that i made this i bought the snare off the off amazon a little 12 inch snare oh. um snare the actual snare strainer and then i cut the snare beds you know, sanded those down and uh, actually cut the metal bottom rim to, to uh, you know, facilitate the snare and the strings and stuff like that. And I just basically modified that 12-inch tom into a snare. Oh, and that's, that's so my cool. side snare that I could take, throw the throw-off thing on it, and I can make it into a tom if I want to. Oh, yeah. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Pretty fun. Yeah, I mean, depending on the gig, sometimes I will use a 10-inch snare on the side. Like when I was playing with this uh, Colombian artist, Fanilu, there was a lot of reggaeton beats so i will use the small snare for that and they loved it that's cool yeah because it gave a whole different perspective and yeah. it wasn't so thick sounding it blended really good with the music yeah do you feel like the uh musicianship here in nashville is is better or equal to miami or is it just a whole different vibe it's definitely a different vibe i guess the influences influences are different but i mean there's amazing musicians here but I can say the same thing about Miami. Right. I would love to go to Miami and just tour around and listen to uh, uh, go to studios and go to clubs and things like that and listen to some of the musicianship there. Yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, it, it's incredible like, the way those guys can play. Yeah. Like, um, I used to play with, I mean, I wasn't in his band. I was a sub, and he would call me, you know, when he needed me. Nestor Torres, full player, a lot of Latin music. And again, I'm not a Latin player, but I could play, you know, along to to the music. I mean, at least the ones that had drums. And it was, uh, it kicked my butt. Wow. For sure. And he wanted me to play percussion. And, and I'm like, 
Man, if you want it to sound good, don't make me play. He just looked at your name and thought you were yeah. this this great Latin, you know, this totally Latin player. Yeah, know? there was a show that I only played four tunes because those were the ones with drums. Oh, I see. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> That's all I can do. <laughs> But your last name is Velasquez. You should know all this stuff. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so is your dad still playing? Is he still around? Is he, he is still playing, is yeah. In Miami? Yeah. Playing Miami? Does he have his own band or something? Or is he just still? He's still doing like really? the higher gun thing. Oh, wow. That's yeah. cool. That's very cool. Do you get back to Miami very much? I try to, to go a few times a year. Sometimes it's difficult. If I plan yeah. it, if I say, okay, I'm going to go in three months, and then I, I mean, something happens, I get busy. So I need to go, okay, I'll go tomorrow. And then oh, I see. Yeah. It's easier like that. Yeah, I see. Um, One question I wanted to ask you um, was during COVID, during the whole COVID thing, what did you, what did you have going on then? Did you, you obviously made it through, you know, because you're still a drummer. Right. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was an interesting time. I wasn't sure of what to do because a lot of the people that I met when I got here, they moved away, they, they went back home, and I wasn't sure of what to do. So I figured, okay, it's easier staying here than moving all the way back to Miami. Right. And it worked out for the best. Did you um, you just waited it out, sort I, of, or did I, you play at home? Did you have your own little studio, or I do have, yeah, home studio. I did, you know, like what everybody did, a YouTube channel, and I I did some pretty cool videos. And then when we started gigging again, everything got forgotten. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I remember that feeling of um, when COVID started. You know, we Lone Star, we all stayed together. You know, we did, we vowed that we were going to stay a band and we were just going to wait it out and see. But right. did that feeling of like, are we even going to have a gig? Are we going to be able to play live music again? Is it, or right. what's going to happen? You know, there's a big question mark. Yeah, crazy <laughs> right. times. Well, I, I almost didn't make it out of COVID. I got, yeah. I got COVID you in did? 2021. Wow. And it sent me to the hospital for eight days. Wow. Damn. And day three... It wasn't looking good. Oh no! And thank you know, thank God and the people in that hospital, I made it out. Wow! It you know, I, I somehow knocking on wood here, I did not get COVID. I, I made wow. it through without getting COVID. I had my shots and everything. I did everything that I could do to to ward it off. You know, wore masks. I stayed at right. home. I did all that stuff, and I just luckily made it through without COVID. Thank God. Yeah, I mean, I actually, it's funny how I got it. I think that's that's how I got it, at least. So since nothing was happening, I went back to college. I was taking a few, you know, online classes. And then I decided, okay, I'll keep taking classes, and I'll, I'll join the, you know, the jazz ensemble again. That's funny stuff. That, yeah. That's fun stuff to do. I go to college the first week. Boom, I get COVID. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. Okay, I won't be able to go back to class <laughs> next week. Yeah, if I live, I might see you again. Right. Well, well I'm glad you made it through. And, Thanks, man. And um, you're, do you, uh, at home, you said you have your own little studio and stuff. Do you practice often? Is there a practice routine that you have that? It's funny. I mean, I used to practice all this stuff, and I realized if my doubles and singles sound good, everything else should sound good. Yeah, and that's what it focuses on a lot, like finger technique, singles and doubles. Yeah, that's what you do. You 
Um, at least that's my routine to keep in shape. Yeah, and I see. then yeah. I start working out different things. Like, okay, let's try a pat a diddle diddle yeah. between the floor tom and the kick, and then let's see if I can add the snare and the hi hat. Yeah, stuff like that. Do you that. play right-handed, right-handed kit? Yes, right-handed. I, I always admire drummers that play left hand that are left-handed drummers but play a right-handed kit. Uh, yeah, like Kenny Arnoff actually. Right. He actually switched. He he saw the advantage in in that in being a left-handed drummer on a right-handed kit like Ringo, and where you, where you have the toms, your right hand is open to hit the toms, and you can keep that hi hat going. Right. He switched. He actually made forced himself to wow. to switch to that, you know, because he always played right-handed before, and then he's right. Yeah, I mean, I figured that out too, but I couldn't. I mean, I didn't want to spend the time relearning. Right. Yeah, right. So I tried a few things with with a remote hi hat. Oh, I see. So yeah. I put it in front of me instead of having the, the rack tom in front of the snare. Okay. I put the hi-hat there. And it worked out pretty good. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I got it you. It was pretty good. The only thing is, for most gigs in town, I didn't have enough time to set it up. and Yeah. So I stopped doing that. And yeah. then I got a second remote hi-hat, which is it's always either closed or open. So I have both, and it's kind of the same. So. Wow, that's cool. Wow. I got to get out and hear you play sometime. Yeah, we'll have to keep in touch and you let me know where you're playing here in yeah, town. Man, for yeah, sure. Come see you play. Yeah, you you reached out to me recently and I think we were out of town when when you said, Hey, we're doing a thing down here on Broadway, come on out, you know. Right. And I was like, I can't, man, we're playing. But um I'm gonna definitely get out and see you play. Uh, that'd be great then. Yeah. What's um what's coming up in the future? Any cool gigs? Um, this weekend I'm going to Indiana for like an artist show with my friend Jerry. Uh, four or five different artists and the following week i think it is um we'll be in chicago doing a whole di- different thing and jerry he's a bass player right he's a bass player. and he has his own band kind of thing is, is he the leader of the band yeah i mean he's always putting things together like last year on december we did a charlie brown concert up there in indiana and you know playing the the music of charlie brown christmas okay. yeah right yeah that's cool. Yeah, he's a great jazz player, and I mean, super funky too. So That's cool. I love playing with him. Is there a lot of rehearsal uh, for that thing, for that gig, or the, no? Is it reading? Is it like uh, yeah, a lot of stuff? reading. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. I mean, the rehearsal was in the sound check. Okay, let's go over the tunes real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's go over each one one time. Okay, if you don't get it one time, then just wing it. <laughs> wow. So when you at your home setup, do you do you run Pro Tools and you I got do. pretty good at doing that? Yeah. I mean, COVID helped, actually. Right, yeah, because you got the time. And a lot of people, I think that the music music companies, music equipment companies probably did pretty well during COVID because oh, everybody sure. was like thinking like, well, I guess I'm going to have to play at home now and started buying gear. I know I bought some gear right, and got pretty good at it. Um, actually, I had vowed to learn uh, Ableton. I already knew Pro Tools, so I was learning Ableton. Yeah, and I got should pretty get good into at that, too. Yeah. yeah. Ableton's really neat. It's kind of like more like a spreadsheet. Mm. <laughs> as as uh, from as a uh, audio programs go, they all seem kind of seem to look the same. Like GarageBand, Pro Tools, uh, uh, some of the other ones. Um, and Logic. They all, they're yeah, Logic. They're sort of laid out the same. Whereas um, you know, Ableton's kind of reminds me more of a spreadsheet. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> like. But what I like about Ableton is that the sounds out of the box right away are 
amazing sounding like it's like you could put the sounds in there and you don't even have to mix it it's it's like it's almost pre-mixed does that make oh, sense wow. like you can put a bunch of uh so, so, sounds from loops and things like that from ableton and put them up and not even have to move a fader i mean they just oh, wow. sound great the way they are you know it's amazing the clarity and the quality of the sounds oh, i really wow. like that i think it would be good for like a person that's doing score scoring a movie or something like that ableton would be right. a cool way to do it yeah, actually, the last tour that I did before moving to, well, here in Nashville, it was with this um, Colombian artist, Andres Epeda. Yeah. And we were using Ableton Live. Right. So the funny thing is, sometimes he will be talking to, to the audience, and he will forget to start the second verse. But thanks to Ableton, we could move the track and follow him, which is oh, insane. I see, yeah. Right. I, I didn't know you could do that. Wow. Yeah, that's okay. incredible. Wow. That's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> well, I think we used to run Ableton. Um, we had some uh, little percussion things going on, and I think a couple of string tracks, you know, for things like I'm Already There and Amazed. Right. And uh, we used to put those on Ableton and with a click track and all that stuff, you know. But um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's an amazing tool. Now we use, we have video screens and all that stuff now, and it's all run from Digital Performer. Mm. So we switched from Ableton to Digital Performer. It's pretty sophisticated stuff because it, it'll run lights and video screens and you know if there's any uh like percussion uh, loops or anything like that it'll it'll control all that stuff oh it's pretty that's, amazing that's awesome and now we've just added cameras like uh 4k cameras on our set that are preset and and this thing uh, in digital performer the midi midi notes will actually turn the cameras on and off and almost as if there's a person back there oh, man, turning the so camera cool. on like a switcher you know like a video switcher on a tv show it sort of like controls that all. Oh, that's all. Hey, you're telling me you want me to you want to see me play. I want to see you guys play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Um, well, man, um, I won't take up too much more of your time. Thanks for coming in to talk to me. Oh, my and, pleasure. Uh, yeah, and I'm gonna try to catch one of your shows out out here somewhere and soon. And that'd be great. Yeah, man. Well, this has been uh, Isaac Velasquez and Keach Rainwater and Designated Drummer. We'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.